Little Women, Chapter 19, Pleasant Meadows. Peaceful weeks followed. The invalids improved rapidly, and Mr. March began to talk of returning early in the new year. Beth was soon able to lie on the study sofa all day. As Christmas approached, the usual mysteries began to haunt the house, and Joe frequently convulsed the family by proposing absurd ceremonies in honor of this unusually merry Christmas. Several days of unusually mild weather ushered in a splendid Christmas day. Mr. March wrote that he should soon be with them. Beth felt uncommonly well that morning and dressed in her mother's gift, a soft crimson merino wrapper, was borne in triumph to the window to behold the offering of Joe and Laurie. Like elves, they had worked by night, and in the garden stood a stately snow maiden crowned with holly, a basket of fruit in one hand, and a great roll of new music in the other, a rainbow of an afghan around her chilly shoulders, and a Christmas carol issuing from her lips on a pink paper streamer. How Beth laughed when she saw it. Lori ran up and down to bring in all the gifts, and Lori and Joe made ridiculous speeches as she presented them. "'I'm so full of happiness that if Father was only here, I couldn't hold one drop more,' said Beth, as Joe carried her off to the study to rest after the excitement. "'So am I,' added Joe, slapping the pocket wherein reposed the long-desired Undine and Sintram. "'I'm sure I am,' echoed Amy, poring over the engraved copy of the Madonna and Child in a pretty frame. "'Of course I am,' cried Meg, smoothing the silvery folds of her first silk dress." for Mr. Lawrence had insisted on giving it. "'How can I be otherwise?' said Mrs. March gratefully, as her eyes went from her husband's letter to Beth's smiling face. Her hand caressed the brooch made of gray and golden, chestnut and dark brown hair, which the girls had fastened on her breast. Half an hour later, Laurie opened the parlor door and popped his head in very quietly. He might just as well have turned a somersault and uttered a war whoop, for his face was so full of suppressed excitement and his voice so treacherously joyful that everyone jumped up, and though he only said in a queer, breathless voice, Here is another Christmas present for the March family. Before the words were well out of his mouth, in his place appeared a tall man, muffled up to the eyes, leaning on the arm of another tall man, who tried to say something and couldn't. There was a general stampede, and for several minutes everybody seemed to lose their wits, for the strangest things were done and no one said a word. Mr. March became invisible in the embrace of four pairs of loving arms. Joe disgraced herself by nearly fainting and had to be doctored by Lori in the china closet. Mr. Brooke kissed Meg by mistake, as he somewhat incoherently explained... Amy, the dignified, tumbled over a stool and never stopping to get up, hugged and cried over her father's boots in the most touching manner. Mrs. March was the first to recover herself and held up her hands with a warning. Hush! Remember Beth. But it was too late. The study door flew open. The little red wrapper appeared on the threshold. Joy put strength into the feeble limbs and Beth ran straight into her father's arms. A hearty laugh set everybody straight again for Hannah was discovered behind the door, sobbing over the fat turkey, which she had forgotten to put down when she rushed up from the kitchen. As the laughs subsided, Mrs. March began to thank Mr. Brooke for his faithful care of her husband, at which Mr. Brooke suddenly re realized that Mr. March needed rest. In seizing Lori, he promptly retired. 
when the two invalids were ordered to repose, which they did by both sitting in one big chair and talking hard. There never was such a Christmas dinner. The fat turkey was a sight to behold, stuffed, browned, and decorated, and so was the plum pudding. Mr. Lawrence and his grandson dined with them, also Mr. Brooke, at whom Joe glowered to Laurie's amazement. Two easy chairs stood side by side at the head of the table, in which sat Beth and her father. They drank healths, told stories, sang, and had had a thoroughly good time. A sleigh ride had been planned, but the girls would not leave their father, so the guests departed early, and as twilight gathered, the happy family sat together around the fire. Just a year ago, we were groaning over the dismal Christmas we were expected to have. Do you remember? asked Joe, breaking the short pause. Rather a pleasant year, said Meg, smiling at the fire. I think it's been a pretty hard one, observed Amy. I'm glad it's over, because we've got you back, whispered Beth, who sat on her father's knee. Rather a rough road for you to travel, my little pilgrims, but you've got on bravely, and I think the burdens are in a fair way to tumble off soon, said Mr. March, looking around at the four young faces. How do you know, asked Joe. Did Mother tell you? Not much. I've made several discoveries today. Oh, tell us what they are, cried Meg, who sat beside him. Here's one. Taking up the hand which lay on the arm of the chair, he pointed to the roughened forefinger, a burn on the back, and two or three hard spots on the palm. I remember a time when this hand was so white and smooth and your first care was to keep it so. It was pretty then, but to me, it's prettier now. A burnt offering has been made of vanity. Meg, my dear, I'm proud to shake this good, industrious little hand. What about Joe? Please say something nice, for she has been so very, very good to me, said Beth in her father's ear. He laughed and looked across at the tall girl who sat opposite. In spite of the curly crop, I don't see the son Joe, whom I left a year ago, said Mr. March. I see a young lady who pins her collar straight, laces her boots neatly, and neither whistles, talks slang, nor lies on the rug as she used to. Her face is rather thin and pale, but I like to look at it, for it's grown gentler, and her voice is lower. She doesn't bounce, but moves quickly. I rather miss my wild girl, but if I get a strong, helpful woman in her place, I shall feel quite satisfied. In all Washington, I couldn't find anything beautiful enough to be bought with the five and twenty dollars which my good girl sent me. Joe's eyes were dim for a minute, and her face grew rosy in the firelight. Now, Beth, said Anne, Amy, longing for her turn, but ready to wait. There's so little of her, I'm afraid she'll slip away altogether. Though she's not so shy as she used to be, began their father cheerfully. Recollecting how he had nearly lost her, he held her close, saying tenderly with her cheek against his own, I've got you safe, my Beth, and I'll keep you so, please God. After a minute's silence, he looked down at Amy, who sat on the cricket at his feet, and said with a caress of the shining hair, I observed that Amy took drumsticks at dinner, ran errands for her mother all afternoon, gave Meg her place tonight, and has waited on everyone with patience and good humor. I also observe she does not fret much, nor look in the glass, and has not even mentioned a pretty ring which she wears, so I conclude that she has learned to think of other people more, and of herself less and has decided to mold her character as carefully as she molds her little clay figures. I'm glad of this, for though I should be proud of a graceful statue made of her, by her, I shall be infinitely prouder of a lovable daughter with a talent for making life beautiful to herself and others. 
"'What are you thinking of, Beth?' asked Joe, when Amy had thanked her father and told him about her ring. "'I read in the Pilgrim's Progress today how many troubles Christian and Hopeful came to a pleasant green meadow where lilies bloomed all the year round, and there they rested happily, as we do now, before they went on to their journey's end.' added Beth, adding as she slipped out of her father's arms and went slowly to the piano. It's singing time now, and I want to be in my old place. I'll try to sing the song of the shepherd boy, which the pilgrims heard. I made the music for father, because he likes the verses. Beth softly touched the keys, and in her sweet voice, they had never thought to hear again, sang to her own accompaniment to the quaint hymn.